You are now tuned into Almost 30 Podcasts. Hi, everybody. It's Lindsay and Krista. Welcome to the show. We're so glad you're here. We're together here in LA. And if you've just found the podcast, welcome. We started this about seven years ago during a time when Krista and I were just having so many doubts and fears and questions and found one another. And in our meeting, we figured that like, wow, our friendship is so healing. And we knew we couldn't be alone. So brought it to the podcast and hopefully these conversations support you where you are in your growth, in your evolution. Uh, And we laugh a lot too. So it's not super serious all the time. We like to keep it real. We have Mm -hmm. Sahar Rose on the podcast today, a dear friend of ours. This was a conversation that she and I had just sat down, let it rip, which is my favorite thing to do with Sahara. So I'm excited for anyone that's coming from her community for you to listen to this conversation. We get real, we get honest, we say all of the things that we would say behind the scenes on the podcast today. And we know we're dropping this around holiday time. Mm-hmm. And the holiday time is beautiful and powerful and magical and so fucking stressful <laughs> and confronting. Yeah. And it's just the highs and the lows is what really blows my mind. You're like, because I go home and then I'm like, am I happy? I'm going home, but am I happy? I know. It's and very weird. It's it's the most bizarre thing. I think I was telling you, mm-hmm. I was with family recently and I was like, I'm comfortable, but I'm not happy. And I'm, am I being myself? That was my whole question. I was like, is this the real me? I'm not talking. I'm like disassociating. I'm like, yeah. It's just, and that really brought up for me how deeply ingrained our patterning is where it feels comfortable for me to be disassociating, to not be talking, to be just like a fly on the wall. And that's how our brain works where I'm like, oh, that's my comfort zone. And Mm -hmm. so that's why it feels like I'm being myself even though I'm, I am being a version of myself, but it's not my best version. Totally. But I'm home. I have to remind myself. I literally hear the voice inside of me say, you can be yourself and you can talk now. Mm -hmm. Like I, it, now it's more obvious to me because I feel like I was just kind of on autopilot with my family for a long time and just kind of like play into the pattern. And you're like, okay, this is my role in the pattern that's happening. And I think now, just now that like when I go home most of the time, at least for holidays, like I'm with Sean Mm -hmm. and there's just like a different, there's a different energy because I don't know. There's just like a, I'm creating my life Mm -hmm. with him. My sisters are creating their lives with their husbands. My parents are kind of figuring out, kind of resituating with all their kids, kind of going off and doing their own thing. And it's just, yeah, it's felt it's actually felt better than it has in the past. And I'm less in the energy of the drama of the pattern because I'd be like, oh, this again, or like, Mm -hmm. this is so annoying. Mm -hmm. This is my life. This is my whole life. And it's like, I don't think some of these patterns will necessarily go away when they exist between other people. Mm -hmm. But if I'm a part of the pattern and if I disrupt it, it's going to change. Mm-hmm. It's going to resituate. So it's like really standing in that decision to be like, yeah, I'm actually not going to play into this, but it's hard to figure out what you do instead. Honestly. I'm like, like, what do you talk about if you don't talk about X, right? hundred percent. X, Y, Z. And then you also think that, okay, here's my pattern of me. Mine is like, I'm like a dead person. I do not <laughs> talk. I do not share anything. I'm just physically a body is there. <laughs> And a person is not. I feel like that at parties. Oh my gosh. No, at parties, like I'm like, yeah, you're good. You're good. Ready to rock. <laughs> but you also think, okay, so then the healed version is the opposite. So the healed version is like mm. laughing and comical and being, you know, an extrovert and talking. But it's actually, I'm just like, where's the middle where I can be? just more comfortable actually saying what's coming to my mind, even mm-hmm. though nothing really does during yeah. the conversations or during the situations because it's so wild how blank I am. I'm like, but doesn't it vary depending on who you're with? And I have yes. to give myself kind of yes. that grace. There are times when I'm with people that I'm like, you know what? For some reason, like I'm not really lighting up to kind of contribute yeah. in the way that maybe I 
desire. And maybe mm-hmm. that's less about me and more about totally. who I'm with. A hundred percent. Do you know what I mean? Or just like dependent on mood, what you're going through, what yeah. is happening in the world, what... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's very... Because there's no point of reference for my life mm-hmm. for many people in my family. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, family, so it's yes. like, what's the point of reference that I can bring you towards to support us in having a conversation about yeah. things? Yeah. You know? Like when I got back from darkness, my mom was like, did you get back from that, the dark cave, the <laughs> days in the dark? I'm like, uh, yeah. What was that? Did you eat? <laughs> She's like, huh. You know, just no fucking totally. There's no, there's no ability to, it's like the conversation has already been written and decided by them because I think that's, I feel like, yeah, my dad for sure does that where there's just like a level at which they're comfortable to go and they kind of know what they're going to say and they've said it probably before. That's my favorite and thing can't actually drop in. is to be able to drop something that's below the comfort level mm-hmm. and just you know, like I even said that with the dark, I was like, yeah, I think I had so much grief come up. It was just almost felt like I was <laughs> going to throw up. I had so much <laughs> grief and pain coming up. It's like, huh, <laughs> you know, like it just doesn't hit. And there's no yeah, it's just connection like, to be like, hmm, huh. I, I wonder like, what that grief is I was about. in the womb of the cosmos almost yeah. being rebirthed. And whatever. But yeah, it's just so wild. But how was your Thanksgiving home? It was good. It was nice to like, again, I feel like it's different now coming in as like a unit. Yeah. It sounds so cheesy. It's just different. But I was laughing with my siblings because we have an outsider come in. We had a family friend come with her husband and they've been friends for years. But she's just that type that like she says the thing. My sister was carrying around her new dog. The dog's so cute. And she just like loves the dog. And, she, and it's so adorable. She's like, I've never seen someone carry a dog all the time like that. Like, just like, yes. you know what I mean? You're yes. like, okay. Mm-hmm. And so where's this going? Yes. My sister's gluten-free. What? So what is gluten? Mm-hmm. Like, what exactly? And it's always like a dig. Yes. Mm-hmm. So she's digging that, like, my sister's carrying the dog. Mm-hmm. She's digging that this other one is gluten-free. Mm-hmm. She she saw my dad cutting the turkey and my dad was just like very done. And she's like, oh, I've never seen anyone cut a turkey like yeah. that. Uh-huh. You know, my, <laughs> yeah, dad, my dad like had to take a walk outside. I'm like, oh, well. But um, besides that, it was refreshing because I felt like I was talking about this with my therapist where it's like, damn. Like you really realize how far you've come at times yeah. and how far you haven't come at times yeah. when you're with your family yes. and you talk about this. But there are moments where I'm like, I've come really far. Yes. I've come so far and I just don't, I'm almost just observing. Mm-hmm. I'm participating mm-hmm. like conversationally, but I'm really energetically like observing where mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's happening again. Mm-hmm. And that's happening, but I'm not becoming so invested in fixing it mm-hmm. or making it different. Mm-hmm. And that feels much better. That's huge. I yeah. was talking to our audience. I'm like, please recognize how far you've come this holiday season. Yes. You know, even not being triggered one time is mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. So how can you find those tiny moments of peace and calm or a boundary or an expression? You know, we were on a member call the other day. We were on a live hang talking about the holidays. And one of our members, she was talking about how her family, she's like kind of the butt of the joke Mm. where they kind of make fun of her. It's kind of like the thing. And she said, she's like, I was able to speak and be like, actually, I don't think that's funny. And like, just speak up and like say how I felt. And it's small things like that. I think for me, my growth edge for this holiday is what I really want to work on is expressing love in the moment Mm -hmm. because I have these loving feelings that I'll have for my mom, for my dad, for my sister, or for anyone in my family. And I don't say it. Yeah. Like even when I was with my grandpa, my grandpa's so old, like mm. he's hilarious, but I want to be able to be like, I really love you. Like, mm-hmm. I really appreciate what you've done for my life. And I really appreciate this. And I think that's where I'm noticing myself holding back. So it's not only like, I think we often think about when we're with family, like how can we have more boundaries and how can we speak our truth and how can we be more of ourselves and how can we do all these things? But there's also like, how can we also express love naturally with people and be really truthful about like the beauty that they brought into our lives and like 
the gratitude that we have for them. Maybe you don't have gratitude. Maybe you're not there yet, which is totally okay. But I think that's where I really want to work on is like, because that's a part of me too. So if that's a a place of being more of myself where I can't access joy with my family, that's not really easy for me, but I can access that sort of gratitude or like tenderness, you know? Absolutely. And then it also, when I've like, when I've practiced that in like little moments, like you see it kind of like open them a little oh, bit, yeah. just a little. Oh yeah. It might not be what you totally desire, mm-hmm. but it's just a little opening and like a softening. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just th- like, I, I completely agree. And that's like a really good reminder because it's, it's really true. Like we don't know how many more of these we yes. have. Yes. And so I don't want to look back and be like, I was frustrated at every holiday with my mm-hmm. family. Like that's not like, okay, so they're going to say the same old thing every mm-hmm. single time. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just, I, I think there comes a point when you have to let some of that go yeah. and really refocus your energy on like, yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah. You birthed to me or yeah. I love you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, shifting from the typical narrative in yes. your head and also what's playing out. YOLO. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you were, if they were to die mm-hmm. tomorrow. Yeah. And since my dad's been sick, it's like changed that for me. I'm like, how can I be, how can I say the thing that if I knew something would yeah. happen, I've said that thing. Yes. You know? Yes. But it was funny too, because I was also like, whenever I'm with my family on the holidays, I'm tech support. Do you ever have? Yeah. I have two okay. hours of tech support happens every day. My dad will come in and be like, hey, can you help me with my computer? He was hacked on Facebook. <laughs> oh, no. Someone, someone hacked his Facebook and was trying to sell iPads. <laughs> they were trying to literally sell iPads to people in his like chat. So he got Dude. kicked off Facebook and like the Facebook community guidelines were being violated by <laughs> this person that I would have taken my dad's. So I had to like go through his Facebook and like reset his Facebook. It was just hilarious. And then we're going through his emails. I mean, he's subscribed to every email. And I would be like, okay, that's, that's we're going to open this email from Dick Sporting Goods. That's literally a promotional email. And he would be like, okay, well, we have to tell them that we don't want that. Like, we have to tell them that we don't want the sale. Like, it's okay. I'm like, no, you, they're sending yeah. it. You don't have to reply to it. Like, <laughs> totally. it or the Facebook posts. I'm like, this is how Facebook works. He's like, okay, well, we have to tell Marsha that happy Thanksgiving. because She just wrote happy Thanksgiving. I'm like, yeah. it's public. <laughs> It's not her telling you happy Thanksgiving. He's like, but that was so nice. It was just, the whole thing was just so funny. I'm like, this is just the holidays of literally spending time being tech support because you know how to like, you know how to like select all and delete all emails at Completely. once. He's like, wow, you're just so I know. Fast. You just saved me five hours. Honestly, saved him like an entire day. Well, happy holidays, y'all. Truly enjoy time with your fam. Yeah. Enjoy friends. them. Enjoy your own time too. Like just yes. like being in your own, being in your own energy, maybe without like the hubbub of work and just the goings on. Look how far you've come, mm-hmm. truly. That's just what I want to say to all of you is you have come so far. If you're listening to the show, you've definitely come far. You've been with us in the journey. So happy holidays. Enjoy them. We love you. Enjoy this episode with Sahara Rose, a dear friend. Her Instagram is I am Sahara Rose. She's founder of the Dharma Coaching Institute. She is an author. She is an incredible being that is all about joy and pleasure and femininity. And she is someone that just really knows how to be herself. Mm-hmm. You can go to her website at Sahara, I am saharaRose.com and take any of her quizzes and learn about discovering your Dharma. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this one and we'll see you on the other side. See you soon. I am, you know, because I've changed so much in the past couple of years, you too. And I think we've talked a lot about, you know, off off the record, how we've changed, how our perspectives have changed. And it's hard to like bring people up to date with that because there's so much that goes behind the scenes to create that situation from happening. Do you ever feel like, you have to give people an update. Like how can we give people permission to be more multidimensional or be more of themselves when we're stuck in this like two-dimensional experience? I think it's choosing what parts of yourself feel worth it. Yeah. Not everything needs to be on social media. Not all your thoughts, beliefs, and opinions on every topic, on everything about life, because that's not what we're an expert in. We haven't dove deep enough into them to really have an opinion on 
So I think it's taking the parts that are really part of your core message that you want to share with people. So it's challenging because that core message changes over time. And people, you know, they subscribe to you like a TV show and they're like, shit, the show's yes. changing. I don't like this season of the show anymore. Yes. Go back to season one. Why have you changed? But it's like, even a show changes and like, we're human. And, you know, I would be kind of fucking crazy if I just said the exact same thing over and over and over again, like a record box for 10, 20 years. Some people do that, not my thing. So I think that's what's challenging about it. It's we're on a spiritual growth journey, which is exponential growth. But then you do have this feeling. I feel this feeling of like responsibility, Mm -hmm. which maybe doesn't even come from a healthy place Mm -hmm. of like, I need to show people who I am now and bring them along with me. And I actually don't. The truth is you get to be that person and you don't need to explain and you don't need to be giving a living monologue of everything that you're doing and thinking online. And I think that we are choosing to do this and we are obviously, you know, I think for me, it comes back to the being understood and being also a person that helps other people feel understood. Like when I share these thoughts, it gives other people a space for their thoughts. But I do think it's important to also, if that is a pattern of yours, to remove yourself from that of like, who am I without analyzing who I am, without explaining who I am. And I really believe if we didn't have that, it's like we change, but then there's the whole process of explaining how we've changed. So if we didn't have that process of like, fuck, now how do I explain who I am to them? It's like, then we would have changed even more. So we're actually preventing a growth journey by having this like, the second like board that we need to announce it with. I think that's a hard thing about, especially being like some sort of spiritual content creator, because the energy of content creation in itself is very dense in 3D. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like, I think my journey with it was becoming less of like, this I'm a spiritual being to like I'm a human and like now I want to post about clothes I'm wearing. You know, it's like you just want to kind of ride the wave in the journey. And what I've realized is that as much as we're trying to keep everyone up to date with it to explain ourselves, to give ourselves, to give everyone an update, it's still that it, trying to get acceptance and fear that people won't accept you or fear that people will judge you for what is is that you're doing. And when you mentioned on TikTok that so many people are doing the insisted people, what are those called? Stitch. So stitch. When they're stitch replying to people, I was thinking about this as it relates to self-censorship and how that is such a great breeding ground for people to start censoring themselves. Because if they're speaking their mind or saying something and then it's being stitched, it's being twisted, it's being taken another way, it's just being criticized or judged. It's so interesting how we tend to censor others and ourselves so much. And I want to know about your journey with censorship within yourself. Like, do you find yourself self-censoring? I would say, I know you've mentioned that you feel like over time you've censored yourself more, whereas I feel the opposite. I feel like I was censoring myself a lot more at the beginning because I thought for me to write books on Ayurveda, like I cannot be at the ludicrous concert. So, so I just, I fit the box and I, and I do, I am a hippie. Like I do have all those parts of myself and more. So I feel like as I've gone a long time, I've integrated and it's not an overnight thing. It's like you share one thing. Am I safe? Okay. I'm safe. And then you share another thing. Okay. Am I safe? I keep going. And then who you are and what you stand for actually changes too. And then you get on another part of your journey and then your message changes. So I would say now I feel really free around what I post. I would say I love being live. Like I go on IG live sometimes because again, I'm a huge conversational person. So like when I'm like thinking about a podcast record or something, I'll actually go on live and like I'll be talking to people. Like <laughs> I remember when I went to pick you up for I Lacey's thing. <laughs> I went to go pick Sahara up for Lacey's journal launch for TBM and Sahara was literally live and I was waiting to pick her up. I was like, hey, fucking come down. I like bring on a group of four people and I'm like, so what kind of Claire are you? Oh, you're Claire Cognizant. Claire, like I just, I'm, I love doing that. So for me, that helps me just like release the pressure around the post because it's just a real time conversation. So in terms of censorship, I also choose my battles. You know, it's like not everything because I don't know. No one knows what's going on in the world, right? We're all only getting glimpses of it. So I choose what I'm here to stand for. And then if it's like things that I don't know everything about, it's not my zone of genius. I just stay out of it. And I know some people could say, oh, why aren't you talking about this issue or that issue? It's like, I could DM everyone. Why aren't you talking about what's happening in my home country of Iran? You know, why aren't you talking about this? I'm not going to do that. So 
I think everyone thinks their issue is the biggest issue in the world. But the truth is there are thousands and thousands and thousands of issues right now. And the best thing that we can do is to really choose our own and stick with it long enough to come up with a solution. And accept that other people have different issues. And that's why we're all uniquely qualified to help and support on different issues. And when I talk about like consciousnesses, that for me has felt like been made clear is when you find yourself fervently wondering why someone isn't talking about what you think they should be talking about. Not only that is that giving your power away to this person where you perceive that they have more power to make more change than you do by talking about what you want to talk about, but also it's like there's some consciousness that's working through you that is tapping on a lot of people because it's like, why is this opportunity for whatever the hot topic is at the time so much more relevant than like some of the greatest tragedies in the world that still happen today? They're just not on our mind. They're not in our consciousness. And a lot of times they're shown by the media. We had this woman that we interviewed the other day and she was talking about, she's from India and she was talking about rape culture in India and how horrifying rape culture is. And she was just going into this explanation of it. And she's like, what it made me realize is how in the West, it really is something where people just selectively choose what they're going to be upset or mad about. Because in my home country of India, I saw the most tragic experiences and people in the West are always complaining about so many different things, but yet it feels like there's such a misunderstanding of how good it is and how good I perceive it in the West to be. And it's like that idea where we consistently find things to be upset about because we perceive that that's gives us an identity, gives us a reason for being. We feel like it's helping and we feel like it's just this way to that we have to be now with social media culture being at the forefront of activism. Mm-hmm. And I think it that when something in the world happens and everyone responds, it's the hyper-aroused nervous system. It's that flight, fight, freak out. What can we do right now? And because we're so out of power, the only thing that we feel like we have control over is what we post. So then what we post becomes this political statement, right? And we put so much overemphasis on it that it doesn't actually do anything, you know? Like, yeah. Like Putin is not reading our social media posts. I I wish, right? But we feel so out of power because it's such horrible tragedies happening that we're like, what can we do? So, I mean, my entire, like until I was 22 years old, I was the president of Amnesty International. Like my whole thing was about raising awareness. I was like, we just need to raise awareness about these causes. And I had to realize like, great, now everyone knows about this genocide happening. Now everyone knows about this thing. It's still happening. Mm -hmm. So raising awareness is let's all look over there but it's the actual taking action that's going to change things. And I think right now we're looking here and we're looking there and we're seeing all these different things, but then we're so, we're frozen. The dorsal Mm -hmm. reaction is just like, I don't even know what to do. And the truth is a lot of these situations are out of our power as civilians. These are major wars happening by dictators who the UN can't do anything, you know, let alone us all going on Instagram. So I think it's coming from a beautiful place, but it's like, Mm -hmm. I mean, guys, like I worked in politics in DC, like go work in politics and you'll see the levels of bureaucracy that are there. Oh, I mean, I could not. And it's interesting too, because it's like when you're talking about something happening, people go, okay, how can I make change? It's interesting how our first reaction to anything now is post. Yeah. Something good happens to us. What should I post? I'm feeling sad. What should I post? I'm feeling, you know, it's like, I want to make change. I want to elicit change. It's always post. It's always something where it's like... It's because it's become an extension of who we are. Like we are AI at this point. Yes. Okay, so you made the thing and now it's time to post it on your website and share to Instagram and send to your contacts. (laughs) I'm putting the program. Uh, But if posting your creation everywhere includes reformatting, resizing, redownloading, and re-uploading, like I know it does you may want to try Issue. I'm really excited to introduce you to Issue I-S-S-U-U, which is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital content from marketing materials to magazines to flip books and brochures and so much more. I'm not sure if you heard, but PDFs are outdated. Issue makes content better. They also work seamlessly with the tools that you already use like Canva and Dropbox and InDesign. So you just have to make it once and then they'll distribute it everywhere by reformatting it. It's amazing. They also optimize for SEO. 
unreal. So if you're a creator, marketer, designer, anyone who wants to make content that stands out, try Issue. You can start using Issue today for free. Or if you sign up for a premium account, which we use, you will get 50% off when you go to issue.com slash podcast and use the promo code almost 30. Let me repeat that. You will get 50% off a premium account when you go to issuu.com slash podcast and use the promo code almost 30 at checkout. That's issue.com slash podcast with promo code almost 30. You can sign up for free today or get 50% off a premium account. I watched this interview with Lex Friedman and Grimes. I'll send it to you. So Lex Friedman, who I really want on the podcast, interviewed Grimes, who's someone that I didn't really know much about only through, you know, just the world. And she was talking about that. She says we're transhuman and we're basically half AI at this point because of how we grew up and because of how closely intertwined we are to technology. And it was really beautiful because the reason why I listened to her interview is because I know she's such a fan of AI. She's such a fan of technology. And I'm someone that has sort of taken the idea that it's dangerous and that it's bad and sort of made it my own belief. And she was talking about how technology can really be used for so many beautiful things. But right now we're just at the beginning stages of seeing what it can do for us. And we've only really used it for social media. And I think that's really true that the biggest ways that we use technology are through social media, whether it's the metaverse is going to be used for things related to social media or whether it's what we're doing online with TikTok or whatever. And we actually haven't seen what technology can do to benefit the world and to make the world better and to make the world more beautiful. She was actually talking about potentially creating a DAO, which is something that they do in crypto. It's a decentralized autonomous organization, and it would be for mothers. And it would basically help to restructure the ways in which we compensate things that impact our society. And we could basically compensate mothers more fairly for the impact they have on the world to raise kids. Because right now, our structures of compensation in culture are so skewed to things related to capitalism or things related to work or producing. But actually, one of the most impactful things for our society is being a really good mom. And so it was powerful. And it really helped me to reimagine like a world where we could use technology in a powerful way to make a change for the better. Yeah, I think it comes down to who's in charge of it, right? Yeah. And that's what's worrisome when it comes to anything that gets so big, technology, corporations, mm-hmm. government, are the people who often rise to the top, have, have risen to the top for a reason, right? Because they've been so egotistical. They've just cut so many people off that that's, you know, like, do I want Mark Zuckerberg to be the I president know. of my life? No. So... Like, yes, that's beautiful if we can compensate mothers. And like, that's also what the village used to do. Yeah, 100%. You know, so it's like we get all this technology to like be in an AI to see a waterfall and to see some trees. It's like we could have skipped the whole middle mm-hmm. part and just gone outside. Mm-hmm. So it's like at what and then we have a grounding mat like you have nature. So it's like at what point are we going to go to to realize like the earth is destroyed and we have to live it like Honestly, my theory on this whole metaverse thing is that the way that just the destruction of this planet is going is and and how expensive things are getting. Like travel yeah. is so expensive that soon, I don't I don't hope this timeline doesn't happen, but I think this is the timeline that they're planning for is like it's gonna be so expensive for people to travel. It's gonna be so expensive for people to see nature. There's gonna be such few amounts of nature left on this timeline that they desire that they're the only way that people can have these experiences of going to Egypt and seeing the pyramids or going to the Niagara Falls or whatever is going through to be through the metaverse. And I mean, everyone has seen the matrix, right? Like they're making it more and more real. Like that is a reality. And I see a lot of, you know, the conscious space, they're really into the digital web three world. And I just, I'm, I'm not, I really question it. I question where we're going with all of these movements and you know, it's just very easy for these. Look at social media already and how much it's impacted our nervous system. I was just having a conversation with a friend who works in suicide prevention. Suicide is at the highest level, like exponentially increasing every single year. And it didn't actually start with 2020. It started in 2019. That was the peak year. So it was actually before the pandemic, which the pandemic just made worse and worse and worse. So here we have access to all the information we need a lot of people aren't even working like at their nine to fives. They're not even really working right now. They have everything delivered to them. They have like technology is doing all the things and they're literally killing themselves. So is the solution to this epidemic more technology? Like let's actually look at where the trends are going. And 
coming back to like what actually brings someone joy. I've never heard someone say my highest amount of joy came from when I was in the web three. I mean, a hundred percent. I think, yes, I completely understand and agree with you. And I think the metaverse and social media is just energy siphoning. I think that there are a set of beings or people that siphon energy. You know, think about when you're in community and conversation, you sometimes are siphoning energy unconsciously from other people or they're siphoning it from you. When you're thinking about a toxic work environment or you're thinking about a relationship that drains you, when you're thinking about boundaries, it's really that experience. So thinking about that on a larger level with technology that there are beings or people that siphon your energy through technology. But what I'm thinking is that there needs to be a fucking technology for recycling. The fact that we cannot get recycling down is unacceptable and unreal. Unreal. So the technology that I'm thinking about or talking about is like, how do we get microplastics out of our water? How do we start to recycle? How do we enable for clean water in more places? And it actually, I think we're pulling ourselves out of the belief and idea that I see and understand that technology is social media and that technology is this experience of us being in this space. Because when I think about like aliens as an example, a lot of times the alien beings that are more advanced, quote unquote, have technology that actually isn't detrimental to the planet or their species, but is helpful. So maybe that's time travel or maybe, you know, these, all these different advanced technologies that we've sort of been socialized to understand. But it is weird that we haven't used any of it for perceived good of ideas that I think we all know we need. Yeah. Better education, better water, better food quality, better soil quality, better conservation ideas. You know, it's sad. Hmm. And do you know Pete Diamonditis? Peter Diamonditis? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so he's like a futurist and he yeah. actually, his perspective is the world is in the best place that it's ever been. Yeah, I've heard that Because a lot. of technology, there mm-hmm. is higher, l- lower rates of infant mortality than ever before. Mm-hmm. There are more, you know, rights for women, reproductive rights, gay marriage. There's and- less poverty, there's less food scarcity, malaria deaths, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. HIV. So, so many things are improving because of yes. technology. So 100%. But did you see that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, Don't Look Up? Yeah, I hated it. <laughs> we thought it was so stupid. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think one of the interesting points that it brought up is like, then again, the person who's in, who could orchestrate such levels of technology often have vested interests. So yeah. it's like to be able, because, you know, coming up with something like I think being able to turn a salt water into drinkable water, that's going to be so needed. But that is a massive initiative, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, I wish the UN worked, but we need to have some sort of like global governance for the highest good of humanity. Yes. It's like, how do we incentivize people to follow those initiatives rather than follow TikTok followers? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's the thing. And that's what I think is really hard about being in our space is that I don't think is really hard, but I think is an aspect of it that I find to be challenging is that I'm a content creator. I have a podcast I share online. I'm living in this world that a lot of people now want to be in because they see the perception of what it is and they see that as being good, luxurious, exciting, all of these things and all of that it is. But it's like, this is part of my highest expression. It's not my fullest highest expression. But for a lot of people, it's not their highest expression to be doing this thing online. And I think you see that too, where it's like, this looks amazing and you can see it because I'm public, but it actually isn't a lot of people's highest expression to be doing this. And it sucks because a lot of people follow the path to do this only to discover that it's not what they should be doing. But the highest expression of a lot of people isn't really visible or able to be found online because it could be someone that's studying the ocean to find microplastics, or it could be someone that's working on a recycling initiative, but you just don't really find those as easily because we're so distracted. Mm-hmm. And I would say that what we are doing is bringing forth new ideas, new types of consciousness, which also is just as needed, right? And it is still such a new industry. And like, sometimes we forget because we're in the echo chamber of like, everyone has a podcast that's talking about raising the vibration of the planet, duh. But truthfully, it still is really new. So I think it's just, we do have our place in this world. And 
it comes back to the consumer of like, who are we following? Are we following the Kardashians or are we following the person who's taking microplastics out of the ocean? We get to decide who these celebrities are. With the celebrity culture, it's because we're so lonely, the celebrities become the only people that we all mutually know. So then it becomes this really easy mutual discussion point of like, hey, what did you think about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard? Hey, what did you think about Will Smith? And then I get to know you based off of what you think about this third party person who's real life situation we don't actually know about. A hundred percent. Yeah. The thing when you were talking about too, with Peter Diamidis talking about how it's better than ever, and I've heard that many times, and I actually kind of agree with that because when we think historically, like think about the Roman and Greek times, like they used to just murder people in the streets. There was like, it was very brutal and chaotic and crazy. Women didn't have a lot of rights. People couldn't really be themselves. Consciousness was at a very low level. But It's interesting that the more safety we have, the more things we have, the more access we have, it's like suicide rates increase. Because I think a lot of times we think that's going to be the thing when the thing really that I've found keeps us is that connection to source or God. It's like, how can your faith, whether your faith is in God or whether your faith is in Allah, whoever it is, how can that be your organizing principle for deeper purpose and connection and truth. Because when we have all the things, we've seen it many times in history with celebrities or culture, that's actually not what makes us happy or feel like we have purpose. Mm. And I think that the huge epidemic right now is is that hopelessness of like, what is my point? What am I doing here? Am I actually even changing things? Like, what am I living for? And I think that this, I don't have the whole solution for it. I think part of it is the loneliness and the fact that we're so apart Part of it is the fact that living is so expensive that people have to work so much that the little time that you have, you like look at what relationships you find value in and then relationships become transactional. I think it's social media culture and us, you know, communicating and even just hating on each other and just the horrible things that people say on social media. And especially with teenagers, I think that's a huge part of the depression, anxiety and suicide going on. I mean, there's so many different points of it, but we, if we don't have hope for a better future for ourselves, for humanity, then living on this planet's going to suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I tweeted the other day. I was like, optimists create the future mm-hmm. because how can we be that where you're thinking of the best possible outcome? Because if you'll look at Netflix and I love the solo you did the other day about why you don't watch scary movies. And I have said this since I was little when I first saw this show on, it was Castle Ghosts of Ireland. My sister was watching it at her sleepover. She was four years older than me. I came in the room, Castle Ghosts of Ireland came and it was this old like Irish house and this like demon goat creature was walking down the hallway. It was like CGI. My life was never the same. I was like, yo. So for the next years, I was so scared and I haven't watched scary movies since because I don't like to be scared. It's not a feeling I like to feel. I don't like to be scared, but if you look on Netflix or on a lot of the main TV shows, there's not many shows about creating a better future. Most of them are doom and gloom. Most of them are apocalyptic. Most of them are about the worst possible scenario, like Blade Runner, you know, many of these movies that are pretty predictive and they sort of get in our conscious and our psyche and make us believe that the only possible outcome is really like a terrible experience. Mm -hmm. Because the ego wants to focus on what might make me unsafe. So if I know all of the potential things that might make me become unsafe, maybe it's the Irish ghost. Maybe it's It was a goat, okay? It was like a goat creature. It was like on its little like hooves walking down the hallway. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) For me, it was Freddy Krueger with his big ass nails and the fact that he could come for you in the daylight. I'm like, shit, where do I hide? (laughs) Like there is nowhere to go or the ring. When, whenever oh, the TV God. would get all like staticky, oh my God, like I'm still afraid of t- when they get yes. staticky. I'm like, shit, some, some, I, I saw the exorcist too. All of these and things. And I was are like, I'm so... going to be possessed by the devil. It's only a matter of time. But <laughs> the, our brains actually, when we see these things, it can't turn it off. We become mm-hmm. hooked. And it even happens on social media when you see bad news. When you read the word trigger warning, you're going to read that shit more. Yes. It's no one's like, trigger warning, I'm going to step away. Yeah, <laughs> you literally. Know? They're like, like, thank you. <laughs> exactly. So because our egos are like, what is that potentially unsafe thing? Let me fixate on it and not look away mm-hmm. because that thing could potentially get me. If you look back evolutionary, if there was like a murdering village that was coming to get me, I need to know everything I, I could about the village. I need to hide. I need safety. 
So that's why we can't look away from these things. And I think at the same time, it's it's gotten worse over the past few years because we are in this perpetual state of fear that like attracts like, mm-hmm. that we want to feel it in an even more exponentially gross basis because then it counters this reality that we're like, oh, wow, that was crazy. I survived that. I'm strong. And then you feel better about yourself, but then those everything that you see remains in your subconscious. Everything that you've seen this lifetime stays in your subconscious forever. So that's why when you're alone at home, when you're in the bathroom, the thoughts come back and then our thoughts create our reality. So then we're creating realities based off of these really horrific things. And these things aren't like, oh, it's like shadow work. No one's shadow work is Samara coming out of the screen, you know? Who says it's shadow work? Like, I've heard people be like, oh, if you're afraid of scary movies, you're afraid of your shadows. I am like, yeah, Freddy Krueger is not part of my I'm not afraid of them, but I'm like choosing to just not like inundate my brain and third eye with that Because there's enough genuine shadow work for you to do that you don't need to add, you know, because stress all comes in the same bag. It doesn't know where it's from. So if you're just adding stress from things that aren't even in your life, mm-hmm. it's still being processed by your cortisol and your body in the exact same way. But I think we we feel a sense of community when we watch these things. Yes. We get to talk about it to other people. It's like, remember in like high school, if you went on a date, you'd watch a scary movie because you would get even closer. Yes. So I think it's that closeness that we're desiring that makes us continue to watch these things. And then we can debrief them with other people that it almost feels like you and I just went through this really tough emotional thing together and we're debriefing it, which in a relationship makes you get closer. But the difference is this was not a thing in our relationship. This is something that Hollywood created to stay in our minds, to keep us hooked and to make us want to watch the second, third, fourth, fifth. That's why horror movies have so many versions of them. Mm -hmm. They're created so you never get that relief on the other end of just escaping the tiger you're always on eggshells. And that's what's really dangerous about it. I didn't actually even think about that. I just am like, what? Who wants to feel scared? A lot of people feel scared and it just mirrors that. Mm. It's like, in a way, I think they're attracted to it because they'd want to face that fear, but they're not doing it and actually looking at the cause of their fear. They're just going into the energy of fear. It's like, why do angry people attract more situations to make them angry? With the scary movies too, sometimes I'm like, it's just all been done. And also I think when we talk about consciousnesses and pulling on consciousnesses, that's like another, from my perspective, just like music. And I think there's a lot of darkness in music, whether vibrationally or lyrically, that to me is a consciousness visitor where it's like, an entity or energy that's sort of visiting to like be worked through and expressed in a way that can siphon energy or just sort of pull people into or keep them in lower states and lower vibrations. Yeah, it's so interesting because I'm always having this conversation with Steven yeah. because they just produced six songs on Kendrick Lamar's new album, his artist Bacon did, which is amazing. And I don't know if you've heard Kendrick Lamar's new album, but it's like a lot of shadow work. It's a yes. lot of processing and it's actually really beautiful. And, but it's hard to listen to, you know, because it's like, wow, it's really there. So I see the beauty of art to be able to like give words and energy and vibration towards this like collective feeling that people aren't talking to. And I think Kendrick Lamar is a beautiful example of that. But then I see like Travis Scott, you know, and like these different people that there isn't a core message on it. It's just, it's like that horror movie of just like the rage consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I think that rage also is a human emotion that can be you know, moved into in a healthy way. Like this weekend at the Ludacris concert, I went back to move, bitch, get out the way. And I was like, oh, like there is a consciousness of me in here too. That's Mm -hmm. like super crunk and and hyped up. But I didn't leave the concert feeling more angry. I didn't leave the concert wanting to start a fight. So can we blame it on the music? It's like, I think music is being created based off of how people are feeling, right? So it's like, sometimes we blame the musicians, but the musicians at the end of the day are like, Where is the collective consciousness and how can I give voice and words to it? And then people who rise to the top, whether it's someone like a Travis Scott or whoever else, it didn't start with them. So I think like the bigger underlying issue is like, why do so many people resonate with this music? Yeah, I think it's like for me, like chicken and egg, where it's like, it's, it's, you say it's tapping into the consciousness. And I sometimes think that it's like bringing down the consciousness to the masses almost where the media or music or movies or TV is all sort of creating the energy that is then reflected in the experience of people. And I think with music too, it's like, that's why I resonate so much with Kanye. You know, I think that's like 
controversial for people, but from my perspective, Kanye has done something incredibly powerful by bringing gospel music to the masses and by bringing God to the masses, by not having cursing, by not having degrading lyrics anymore in his music. And I think there's just a time for an evolution because when I see pop music today and pop culture, it all feels the same. It's all talking about astrology. It's all talking about the devil. It's all talking about hell or talking about heaven or talking about God. And it's the same sort of archetypes. And I find that really fascinating where it's such a godless experience from my perspective on the outside, but yet it's always bringing in that certain type of archetypes that we talk about. All albums have like heaven and hell on it. It's kind of like very sci-fi, very AI, very much pulling on the same threads that are oftentimes bringing through to people. And you can see it with something like Travis Scott, you know, Astro World having all the portals, having like these very specific imagery that is oftentimes being brought through. Mm, 100%. And I think with these conversations, like when I've told Steven and the artists, I'm like, why don't you guys come out with more conscious music? And they're like, there is conscious music. It's just people are choosing to not listen to it. So like, and there are a lot of conscious rappers out there. Yes. And some of them like Common and Lupe Fiasco. Mm -hmm. But- for whatever reason, they're not tapping into that same mainstream, which just shows that it's like an us. It's a a consciousness thing. But there's so many great artists emerging. It's just, again, like we get to choose who we make the celebrities, who we give our power to, who we give our Spotify streams to. I've even witnessed with the different artists that Steven works with is like, they come out with a song that's degrading and the song does better. And they, when, just when they change the lyrics. There's something about it that I think also music gives people like this past, like say the things that they couldn't say. Mm. Music is like a hyper version of ourselves, whether it's our super like alpha masculine selves or Mm. super like feminine, sultry, seductive selves. If Megan the Stallion had different lyrics, if the lyrics weren't wet ass pussy, that song would not have done as well. Mm -hmm. So I think there is this element of because it's on social media, especially we're fighting for attention, right? So like the thing that's the most outlandish often gets the attention. However, I think with people like Kanye and, and different conscious rappers out there and different beautiful emerging artists, they are saying something new that hasn't been said before. So it's up to us to give them that power and to and to make them the new, you know, and, and that's the beauty of social media too. No one gives a shit about the billboard charts anymore. Yeah, like I don't cares? I don't even know what the radio plays. So that's the beauty of it because back in the day, whatever was on the radio, you just had to listen to it. Whereas right now we can choose what we're gonna infiltrate our minds with. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that Kanye is like the most conscious person on earth, but I do appreciate the evolutionary journey that we've been able to witness with his music and a lot of the messages. And I always say with him, I'm like, I'm not down with the way he shares his messages or kind of moves about the world, but a lot of his messages I found to be really powerful. He was one speaking out about gay rights before a lot of people within the industry were like down with having homosexual people or gay people in music. And he's been like a real leader in the industry for consciousness. But I think when you were talking about, you know, when we can pull a thread of the scary movies and even like Wet Ass Pussy with Megan the Stallion, it's both that shock value energy that is oftentimes like getting its shock value from my perspective, pulling on the same threads all the time, where it's almost always for me seeming like it's pulling on the threads of going against Christianity and seeing like America as a group of Christians that believe that sexuality is bad or, or a woman expressing her body is bad. And then it becomes that dance between this is me expressing my body and feeling good in my body and then acting like there's a group and there is a group of people oftentimes that think that's wrong. And it's always that sort of same dance. Yeah. And it's like, just feels old to me where that always feels like the lever that's pulled and it doesn't feel creative. It doesn't feel fresh. That was almost like Montero, you know, Lil Nas X with a lot of his stuff often feels like it's often not creative from my perspective, but pulling on the same energies and same conversations about fundamentalist Christians in America that believe that certain aspects of that are bad. Well, I think for us, we've done a lot of work around it. You've done a lot of work Mm -hmm. around it. So for you, it's like, okay, been there, done that. But Mm -hmm. I think for the majority of Americans, it's like the reason why Lil Nas X went viral was exactly that Mm -hmm. because he grew up really, I think, Baptist and changed. So I didn't know that. I, yeah. So, because he used to be a country music artist. And, yeah. and and I think what was also controversial was the fact that he used to perform at kindergartens. So a lot of his audience were like elementary school kids because his song before that was sort of like a 
cowboy song and then he just changed, which he has the right to. Yeah, He's a course. human. So <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> is he is he the hologram version? I'm like, not is sure. He? <laughs> but I, w- I would say that it's not even just in the U.S. I would say even in other countries that haven't just were in the U.S. that we did grow up like yeah. with a more so Christian government and school system and yeah. overarching things. So the the pushback is that. But in other countries, they are having the pushback towards their more traditional values, whether it's in India or whether it's in the Middle East or whether it's in China. So I think music becomes a big like F you to whatever old systems that you're departing from and the ways that we rebel are to go to the other extreme of like, you're not going to dictate my body. In fact, I'm going to show you my wet ass pussy or you're not going to tell me what to do. In fact, I'm going to give a lap dance to the devil because it needs to be that extreme in your face for you to then eventually find your middle ground with it. Mm. A few years ago, I was so excited to try Seed. If you don't know Seed, Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic is the real deal. This is a two-in-one probiotic and prebiotic that actually survives through your digestive tract. So it really ensures that it gets to your colon, which most probiotics don't do. And I was shocked when I tried this about three years ago. And I actually experienced results because the probiotics that I had tried before were just not doing anything, making any real difference. And so immediately I experienced regularity, beautiful regularity. I experienced just really smooth digestion in general. It helped to support my skin clearing up because we know clear skin happens from the inside out. And I just noticed an overall feeling of clarity and no more brain fog. Our gut is our second brain. So we just have to make sure that our gut microbiome is incredibly healthy and functioning properly. So Seeds DS01 Daily Symbiotic is unbelievably effective. So again, this is a proprietary formulation of 24 distinct probiotic strains in scientifically studied dosages. Seed is all about the science, which you can learn about on their website. They go into major detail. I'm a nerd and love reading up on it at seed.com slash almost 30. Then that's where you'll go to get seed. Try it for yourself. You can use the code almost 30 to redeem 20% off your first month of seeds DSO1 daily symbiotic. That's seed.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 at checkout to get 20% off your first month. Did you know that the drugs we take to manage period cramps were invented in the 1950s and exclusively tested on men? (laughs) What? It's literally outrageous that there hasn't been more innovation when it comes to periods. Deloon is changing that with dietitian formulated solutions that relieve our symptoms while actually supporting cycle health. Because our cycles affect every aspect of our wellness, period pain, mood, sleep, skin, metabolism, energy, and more. I, I don't know about you, but you know, some some months I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything has to stop, but it really can't because I'm experiencing, you know, really bad cramps or headaches, fatigue, you, bloating, you name it. I've really tried a lot of things and while I think I've gotten most of my symptoms under control, it doesn't mean they still don't happen and kind of disrupt my flow. So I was really excited to find Deloon and recommend it to a lot of my friends and they have been absolutely loving it. I was talking to a friend the other day that experienced like really, really bad periods, cramps and just all these symptoms. And she was so happy uh, to try Deloon. She's noticed that her symptoms have subsided. They don't last as long. They're not as intense and she can really just be in her life, which is really nice. So Deloon Nutritional Solutions are dietitian formulated to work with your cycle health, not against it. It'll help you all month long while also relieving your cramps and PMS during your period. 
Saloon creates effective drug-free supplements for period cramps, PMS, and optimal cycle health. So you can get the relief you need naturally, which I'm all about, and start feeling like your best self. So if you want high-potency, fast-acting supplements for your period cramps, PMS, and really getting your cycle health in its prime top condition, like 92% of their customers report that relief, try to loon. Leave bad periods behind and start the new year off with 23% off. Go to cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. If Deloon isn't the right match for you, your money back is guaranteed. That's cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. That's a good perspective. Yeah, I'm curious what you think about because, you know, with your twerking too, it's like, so there's the idea that that, and even when we're talking about wet ass pussy a little bit, is <laughs> back to wet ass pussy. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, so let's, let's the title of this let's podcast. Let's pull the thread on wet ass pussy. Yeah, like wet ass pussy, a debrief. <laughs> it's like, do you believe that that is, and I'm asking this without, I was going to lie and say I don't have my own perspective, but I do have my own perspective. But do you believe that that is female empowerment? And do you believe that twerking, like how is twerking, I don't have a perspective on that, but how is twerking? Do you see that as related and is that female empowerment? Yeah. So like the culture I grew up in, in Iran, in Middle Eastern culture, like women aren't allowed to go outside without a headscarf. Women aren't allowed, they don't have equal rights at all. So for me, growing up in a culture like that, that you aren't, like your highest goal is to be a man's item, right? And that's how you're literally raised. And that's not just in the Middle East. That's like all around the world, but in like different degrees. It's just the fact in the Middle East, it's still actually like this. So for me, my journey with with hip hop dancing and with twerking has been owning my body, reclaiming what is mine and what is not an item for someone else. Specifically, the action of shaking your lower body, your pelvis, your root chakra. We know now that our hips are where we store our emotions, right? When you do like yin yoga and you're in a pigeon pose, people often start crying because of all of the emotions that they're holding onto in their hips. We also know that shaking helps release your nervous system. So when a zebra is running away from the lion and it finally makes it out in the nick of time, it shakes, it recalibrates its nervous system and releases it. So acts of shaking your hips in some sort of way has existed in many different cultures, belly dancing, you know, African dancing, salsa dancing. If you look at any culture, it has that because our hips, again, we're literally releasing the shame. We're releasing the tension. We're releasing all of, you know, just the trauma that we hold on to there. So it's a somatic practice on its own, whether you're doing it by yourself. But then for me, the act of displaying it is for me, it's a fuck you to the patriarchy. It's a fuck you to the fact that my grandmothers were all in forced child marriages when they were 11 years old. It's a fuck you to the fact that our bodies, I mean, still today are not totally our own. There's still mm-hmm. laws being passed around our bodies. And it's also the fact that people are like, well, isn't it sexualized? What's wrong with sexual energy? I think we often think, oh, if something's sexualized, then it must be coming from this like shadowy, lingering you know, deceptive way of wanting something. Again, I think because the only way that we've seen sexuality is because of the media where there is an agenda, where also 99.9% of the time it was directed by a man. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that woman in her power. Whereas if you go to many different tribes all around the world and you see them dance and you see them celebrate, there is always some form of hip movement and gyration and shaking involved. So I think when people see twerking right now, they will associate it with Cardi B and Megan the Stallion and that movement and be like, what? Like, this is degrading for our young girls. What kind of example are you setting? But then when you go deeper into it, when you actually start twerking mm-hmm. you and you start releasing your own stuff, you're like, wow, I've never let my body experience pleasure. I've never let my my hips release the trauma that they've been holding onto. I've never let myself ground and connect to earth. That's another element of it. When you shake and your knees are bent, you're connecting to that earth energy, which you're bringing up through your body. You literally experience states of like euphoria, of interconnectivity, of oneness that I have never felt in my life outside of like just letting myself go there, ecstatic dancing and shaking and being in community with other people that go there too. So you have to hit that at first people being averse to it. They'll have their own perception of it because they've walked through different parts of life. And then 
for me, I keep holding on to it and holding on to it. And I have so many people that come to me and they're like, at first I hated you. I hated the way that you were showing up online. I hated that you were twerking. I hated it all. And then I started twerking and, and, and I realized that it was like my own, like, you know, wounding from my childhood or my religious trauma or my parents telling me or, or me being afraid of the attention that I would get because we also don't live in a world that's safe for women to fully Mm -hmm. express. I wouldn't do that like at a typical nightclub in LA because it wouldn't be safe for me to do that there. However, we as women are hiding ourselves. We're dimming our lights. We're dimming our sexualities because we're afraid of what men will do to us Mm -hmm. when we're in our power. And that's really where the problem is. That's beautiful. I'm glad you shared that. I like, I could listen to you talk about that all day. And I just want to move into like kind of my last questions for you on our beautiful journey. Thinking about the twerking and sort of we talked a little bit about how do we integrate the versions of us and how do we become more of ourselves. And we talked a little bit about our spiritual journeys too and how that's changed. What is this version of you? Like who is the version of you today? Mm. For me, it everything I go like, when I was on my health journey, I'm like, what is the purpose of health? I'm like, really the purpose of health is for me to live my purpose. And then I'm like, what is my purpose? And I'm going to my purpose journey. I'm like, what is really the purpose of having a purpose? And I'm like, to experience joy. So now that's where I'm at. It's a joy journey of like how to bring joy, embody joy and bring that to other people. I think living in joy is the most rebellious act that we can do. And this is speaking from someone who worked in human rights and all of the political and social movements. And and that also has a shape and form. And I think also if people are like, well, what do we do? Donating money is the best thing that you can do to help any cause. And then you being the embodiment of joy, because that lights up the way we can infiltrate social media with joy and celebration and love. And let that be the thing that goes viral. Let that be the thing that people are celebrating. Like, I love when I go on social media and sometimes I go on there and I'm like, I read exactly what I needed to read and Mm -hmm. I feel really good and I got some inspiration and like that was a really interesting comment and I walk away from it more full. So for me, being that version of my highest form of joy and also my next thing that I want to create is actually off of social media of creating a center for creativity in Miami where there is a space for artists to, pr- to produce their new albums where you can then do an ecstatic dance, where you can do beautiful rituals and ceremonies, where you can drop in with people. I think so many of us with this hopelessness and loneliness epidemic, we're missing just like unplanned being with community. Yeah. Because right now it's like, okay, I'm going to see you in two weeks at this time until that time. And it's like, it's a lot of work for that. And then sometimes you just don't even want to go. But just to have a place where you can like be creative and like maybe we're like having conversations where like, let's just hop on the mic and like let yourself be in that flow and synergy. And that is for me, the times that I have felt lonely and hopeless, especially over the past few years, I always come back to like, if I was just like around people, like without a point or direction, just like to be in that energy of community, that is really what I need. So, so my husband and I are actually coming together to create this center. So stay tuned. I can't wait. Yeah. What about you? Where are you at in your spiritual progression? Where am I at in my spiritual progression? Hmm. I feel like this year I've uncovered the deepest parts of me. And it's I'm sort of reorganizing my life based on what I've learned. And so right now I'm like in that reorganization phase of like who I am and my whole entire experience has shifted in some of the findings I've came through, through microdosing, through my therapy work, through my relationship therapy work. So right now I'm really, really working through that. And I feel like I'm just like in an incubation phase where I have my decks coming out, my app coming out. I have my books that I want to write. And so it's just like that foundational small test that I'm going through to really reaffirm like the strength and power that I have. So my affirmation right now is it's my turn. And I feel like for so long I've been like, it's not my turn. I'm not ready. And like blah, blah, blah. And I'm ready for it to be my turn where I can really just step into my power fully and not censor and not be scared and not be dictating my life based on, yeah, fears that I have or aspects of myself that were previously in my subconscious that I'm now working with. Do you think that you'll take time off from social media to birth all of this? I have, yes, a plan for that, which I can tell you about. Yeah. But I yeah, I don't want to say here, but yes, I think that will be that too, which is which is really good. And I think it's just more of being okay with the journey and the process, you know, of it on my own. But yeah, I mean, enjoy your life as an act of rebellion is my motto. That's been my motto for the past couple of years, probably when I realized that 
when there are so many people that are siphoning our energy and wanting us to be in the frequency of fear and misery and hopelessness, when we are enjoying our life, that is in itself an act of rebellion against people that want to siphon your energy from a low place. So I am so grateful to have you as a friend. I truly love you so much. I've said it before, but you were like, the way you showed up for me at my wedding was like one of my favorite aspects of it. I just felt so held and seen by you. It meant so much that you and Stephen came and supported and loved me in the way that you do. And I love how our friendship has evolved over the past years. Like it's been so beautiful to me and meaningful how we just continue to find each other and meet each other and we can agree or disagree or come together and it always feels so good. So I love you. I'm such Mm -hmm. a fan of yours. I love you. I love these conversations that we get to have. We did an amazing one on my podcast, which was like my top, one of my top 10 ever podcasts. So let's also make this one go viral. And I just love diving deep with you. I love your curiosity. Mm -hmm. I love just like analyzing things. I'm like, let's do this every month. Yes, (laughs) I'm down. Bring in new topics and have you send them in. Highest self after dark. Yes. We can just go like, and next time we'll go into skeet. (laughs) The people were like, please go into skeet. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, ah. That's like a whole, that's a whole nother pod we can do. I know. I'm like, I'm ready for that combo. Yeah, literally. We can talk about the herd skeet, the herd gap trial and skeet. Okay, guys, I love you so much. We will see you soon. Thank you so much, Sahara. I appreciate and love you so much. Thank you to our sponsors for this episode. As always, Krista and I are just bringing you brands that we love and have used ourselves and are excited to share with you. For all discount information on all of our sponsors, please visit almost30.com slash partners. We also have the discounts in our show notes. Yes. Ah, the beer. <laughs> we appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, it's been such a blast this year to serve you in like a new way. I feel like mm-hmm. every year it feels a little bit different as to what we need and what we want to express and also what our audience needs and what they want to express. So excited to rest Mm -hmm. for the time being and then yeah, just gently kick off 2023 with you all. Mm -hmm. We love you. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.